Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and a professional giver of sex advice. Who are you, friend? I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger, and also that, and also very sleepy. So Also that, yep. Yeah. It's a couple of sleepy sex educators. Sleepy, silly sex educators. Other alliterations, yes. Um, so we get questions, like, all the time, y'all. And and y'all have some great questions. Uh, and occasionally we get enough that we can put together a listener questions episode, which we love to do. And today is one of those days. Yeah, we got um, some good ones today. I'm really excited about these. Yeah, most of these are about kink, which is interesting. Because I put out a, just a very general call. Like, do you have any questions about, like, sex, kink, relationships, dating, uh, the purview of our show, and I think almost our all people of them know are us. kink. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, do you have any questions about the purview of our show? And everyone's like, so you mean pervy shit? Yeah, several. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, so the first question this is an interesting one. I think we've both kind of been here. Uh, do you have advice on how to successfully have a DS dynamic in a friends with benefits situation? Um, and I guess I should add, like, in case anybody is listening to that and is like, well, that's that's just, like, a normal thing. Um, there There is, like, a certain school of thought in, amongst, like, some kinksters that, like, profound DS dynamics, especially ones that lean toward, like, 24-7, like, outside of the bedroom, um, are better or easier or something in, like, committed romantic relationships rather than more casual connections. But, like, I, as per usual, am very much of the mind that, like, you do you, and if it works for you and your person or your people, like, you're fine. Yeah, I I think a big part of that comes down to... The question is, do you have any advice for it? Yeah, they, they didn't really go that. into any, like, details because it was Instagram, well, so their the yeah. correct account was limited. Yeah. Well, so I think the my biggest advice for that would be to know your expectations going in and what you're mm-hmm. looking for, right? Um, because 24-7 DS can be a very intimate, very connective thing. And intimacy does not mean romance. Uh, intimacy does not... And DS doesn't mean 24-7. You can have very, very deep and intimate dynamics that happen one weekend out of a year because that's when your conference schedules overlap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I think recognizing, okay, so you want to play with DS and you want to have a relationship that you're calling friends with benefits. Well, what does friends with benefits mean, and how is that distinct from another kind of relationship? Like, mm-hmm. is it simply the lack of romance? Because DS can absolutely happen without a rom- romantic connection, and it can still be deeply intimate and personal and connective and 24-7, mm-hmm. um, if you want it to be. Um Or is it more because you don't want to establish a deep and intimate connection? Well, then maybe relegating your DS to certain corners of your life or certain corners of time are going to be safer for kind of protecting your feelings and your connections. Mm -hmm. I would also look at... uh, Reed Mahalko has some stuff on casual sex. Uh, Do you Mm. remember what he calls it? So he has... um... Is like casual sex protocols or something, right? Yes. Uh, Reed Mahalko has this worksheet on his website called Reed's Casual Sex Protocols, a.k.a. Slut Protocols Checklist. Um, and he recommends that you print it out and you, uh, I guess, chat with your casual sex partner about it or just take it into account. And there's there's a number of rules that he suggests. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, so it is sex specific but i think it's worth looking at and noticing what things on that list stand out to you as stuff that like oh that does tend to build intimacy for thing for me so things are like sleeping over and waking up next to a partner right um or spending long extended weekends with them where you can get into this like kind of bubble of connection and Mm -hmm. if you're a person who wants to keep things casual but are also want to play with ds and recognize how intense and bonding that can be with Mm -hmm. a person who it may not make sense for you to have like a deep intimate connection with because you recognize that you're not super compatible but nre is a bitch (laughs) um it might be helpful to kind of 
build some things in and avoid the stuff that you know makes you feel all warm and fuzzy and butterflies inside and can, Mm -hmm. like, trick you into that, like, really connective and intimate feeling with someone that you know may not be particularly wise or know that you don't want to get there with. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember when I had that one dom who, like, I definitely would have hated dating? Uh (laughs) Oh my god, the worst. But so yeah, I I admire your ability, question asker, to to know, I mean, I'm reading into what you wrote, but I admire your ability to know that like this, this particular dynamic would be better as a friends with benefits type of thing, perhaps. Um, Because I definitely in the past have mistaken a strong sense of feeling submissive toward a person uh, for being into them romantically, which often for me, there's overlap in those things, but certainly not always. Um, I think, like, it is important to note, as you were kind of talking about there, like, intense kink experiences, especially, I think, if they're, like, new things for you, um, can be mm-hmm. really uh, emotionally, uh, I was going to say triggering. I don't mean it in the negative way. I just mean they can bring up a lot of emotions. And uh, I would I would give some thought in advance to, like, how you will handle it if and when one of you or both of you, like, has a romantic feeling um or a a questionably like maybe romantic feeling like is this the type of relationship where you want to talk to each other about that when that happens or is there like a friend you could talk to about that do you want to journal about it um have some kind of system in place like for working through it even if right now you're like oh that'll never happen because like if it does happen it'll it can be very like unsettling and you want to have some like way of managing that feeling and processing it and figuring out whether it's quote-unquote real And it's probably going to be less scary if you've already had that conversation with this person. Like, you have a memory of them reacting to the idea of this information. You have Mm -hmm. something to kind of go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think even, like, acknowledging uh, something fairly basic, which is what we just said about how, like, kink can bring up a lot of emotions. Like, if you have put that out on the table so that you both are aware that that is a thing that might happen... I think that that makes it easier to deal if that does start to happen. And I would also say, like, um, my experience with DS outside of the bedroom tends toward 24-7-ish. Um, and so, like, there are, like, most of my DS relationships I've had have been the type of thing where, like, if I was having a moment of distress or if I wanted to be instructed in a particular way, I could text the person, like, pretty much whenever um, and get that. And um, if that's something you want, like if you want to have like a 24-7-ish dynamic, like you probably need to negotiate pretty explicitly with this person, like what the boundaries of that are. Are there particular times you shouldn't be texting them? Are there particular types of requests that one or both of you don't want to be on the table in that way? Um, Because, yeah, like that can be very blurry because that becomes a very emotionally connective uh, relationship, especially like the round the clock uh, availability, which to me feels very much like a romantic connection. Yeah, I think I think you need to look at a distinction between romance and intimacy going into this. Um, mm-hmm. And if like you're trying to avoid romance, that may take one cluster of actions. But if you're trying to avoid this like deep connective intimacy and connection with this person, because maybe there is something romantic that you think could happen and you're just not trying to go down that road, like you are trying to put walls on this for practical reasons, mm-hmm. whether your own relationships or otherwise, um, it might... I think it's going to make more sense to have strict rules around when this dynamic exists and how Mm -hmm. and have it be more particular scenes um, and not kind of let it bleed out into even like maybe you have some flirty banter or whatever, but it's very easy when you have kind of a natural dynamic with someone to let it bleed out into all of your interactions Mm -hmm. and that'll sneak up on you, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are trying to, like, consciously manage your feelings because you're aware that, uh, a thing may not be the best for yourselves or the situation or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I think more rules are probably better than less, but you're into DS, so that should be fine for you, yeah? <laughs> 
Yeah, I would also say like, so you you say it's a friend with benefits dynamic, which implies that maybe one or both of you are seeing other people at the same time, um, whether just for sex or for more romantic things or whatever. And I would say sometimes DS can bring up feelings that um, can complicate non-monogamy of any kind, like especially if there's any kind of like ownership stuff in the way that either of you think about your kinks. And so I think it's worth pre-negotiating like uh, something as simple as like if you call a different partner sir and then like your your dom FWB finds out about it like that may not seem like something that would upset someone but like you can be surprised at how quickly emotions like that can come up unexpectedly so yeah it might be worth having like a pretty classic like non-monogamy style conversation about boundaries with regards to other connections even if you don't necessarily think of this as like a polyamory thing per se um because ds just brings more feelings into the picture yeah i'm definitely a person who very rarely runs into jealousy in kind of the traditional circumstances you would expect in my relationship um but it has definitely come up in, like, ds ways where, like, people have played with my partner have been like, hey, mine. And then had a minute of, like, no, no, wait, not, not actually, though. Like, actually, I'm into I'm into watching them play with other people. This is fine, you know? Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, that little natural twinge of, like, hey, hey, that's my toy. You can't <laughs> put it back. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, I, yeah, I think making that explicit and... Uh, being able to talk about that is is good before the feeling comes up. Yes, I would also say uh, if if you're thinking about any like big um, commitmenty step, well, really the thing I'm thinking about is a collar. If you were thinking about having a collar with <laughs> Love your the euphemisms with your kinky fuck buddy, um, think it through. Think like really, really think about that and about long term and about what that means to both of you and about. Uh, any potential disappointments or discomforts that could come up with that. Um, I just feel like in general, uh, committing to a caller should be a, a very like considered and discussed thing, but like particularly uh, in a situation like this where things are kind of precarious or ambiguous or something. Yeah. All right. I think we answered the fuck out of that question. Definitely. Okay, this one, I wrote, some of these I've paraphrased, but this one I wrote down verbatim because uh, I wasn't 100% sure what this person meant, but I'm curious if you have thoughts on this. This person wrote, do your non-sexual interests, such as drawing or eating, ever feed into your sexual fantasies? And I know that we've talked about this in reference to your baking. Like, I know that you have some feelings about, like, baking for people as an act of service. Is that, like, kind of what you think this person is talking about? Yeah, I think so. I think it's about, like, yeah, overlapping the things that can generally be vanilla and putting our pervy spin on it, which is (laughs) definitely a thing that we do. Oh, yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think it's just added fun because it's layers of things we enjoy, but I definitely have servicey feelings about baking for people. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not something that ever really gets parsed out of that. Um, But I've also done it in more structured ways where I've, uh, I often have my pet help me cook and will like prepare the stuff that I'm baking or get all the ingredients out or like be working on one part of the recipe while I do the others. Oh, I like Um, a little mise en place sub. That's cute. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's really great. Um, And I direct them around and then at the end we both like have a delicious sweet thing that we get to eat, which is a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's great for the kind of recipes that like I want to do. Mm-hmm. But are also have like weird, tedious, annoying steps that I don't feel like dealing with or whatever, because suddenly they're made fun through the magic of service. Yes. Yeah, I think it's interesting that this question specifically asks about sexual fantasies, because I actually don't find that this type of thing enters into my fantasies, but that's because my fantasies are usually pretty uh, perfunctory in terms of like existing in order to get me off. Like, I'm not a type mm-hmm. of person who just like daydreams too much about like kinky or sexy situations like I I usually fantasize like if I'm actively 
trying to get off. Um, but in terms of like sexual activities or like kinky activities, like definitely my non-sexual interests enter into it. And for me, like the biggest example of this is with my writing and my work. Mm-hmm. Um, because my partner is kind of like overseeing of my work is a really key part of our DS dynamic. Uh, I literally probably wouldn't have been able to write my book without their help. I mean, that's maybe not giving myself enough credit, but like they definitely kept me on task. Um, they made me submit my book like two days before the deadline. Uh, and I just, because I'm a sub, I was just like, well, they say that today's the real deadline. So like, I guess that's what it is. Um, I guess that's the answer then. Yeah. So I think that like this question is interesting because it really speaks to the way that kink can just intertwine itself with your life. And I mean, sex can do that to some extent too, but I always felt when I was having vanilla sex that the sex kind of ended when the sex ended like it didn't like go into the rest of my life except when I was you know thinking about it or sexting about it uh it it didn't really have any like particular effect on the way I went about my day-to-day whereas kink definitely does yeah absolutely I've also I'm trying to think like I'm also a big media nerd um and I have definitely like toyed with the idea of uh scenes and things based around tv shows or Mm. like um not necessarily role-playing as characters but maybe role-playing in an existing universe Mm -hmm. things like that Um, yeah i went to see tina horn teach about role-play recently and she talked about that about kind of like taking fictional characters or situations whole cloth from your favorite pieces of media which I hadn't really thought about that much because to me that always felt sort of, I don't know, silly in the way that some people talk about LARPing being silly or something. But um, I think for this, like it's, it's hot for many of the same reasons that fan fiction is hot, which is like you already know the context of these characters and their relationship and their personality traits. So you don't have to spend all this time world building, which I know you're into storytelling. You love some world building, but <laughs> If someone's just like wanting to get to the sexy stuff, it is a it is a good shortcut into the sexy part of the role play to already have all that context. Yeah, and there is stuff where I like like there are definitely shows that I've watched or things where I'm like, oh, I could just like take that idea mm-hmm. and and turn it into like a weird sexy thing. Like I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, every superhero anything where someone has to get like transformed into some powerful <laughs> whatever. You mm-hmm. know, like the Captain America scene where he goes into the tank and gets the thing and you know, whatever. All mm-hmm. of them where they get some weird imaginable pain that they actually don't show you how they're in pain. They just yell a lot. That's mm-hmm. my shit. Um <laughs> so like Shit like that, where I would be like, oh yeah, I'd like make some cheesy thing out of that. Or around Halloween and doing some like, I've always wanted to do some like horror movie getting chased through the woods kind of. Oh my god, yes, uh, yes. Role play type thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, So Mm -hmm. I would definitely play with stuff like that from the media. And like, yeah, it's cheesy, Mm -hmm. but like... That's part of the fun for some some of it. Like there are definitely, there's definitely a genre of scene that is theatrical and cheesy and goofy mm-hmm. that I just fucking adore. <laughs> I just had the weirdest scene idea. Mm-hmm. Sorry if this is super strange. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about one of the ways that I incorporate one of my non-sexual interests, which is writing into uh, kink is like, I've occasionally had, uh, or one time really, I've had a partner go down on me while I was writing. And uh-huh. then I was like, what if we did a Dildorks episode, Dildorks After Dark, um, where we're both getting just like casually serviced under the table and trying to record an episode. <laughs> that would be so Both of shit. our partners are now, at some point in the future, already texting us. And each other, yeah. And and each other, yeah. <laughs> this is... They're, as they're hearing this, whenever they are, they, are, they have already pulled out their phone. <laughs> yeah. The, okay, well, we'll talk about yeah. it later, y'all. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a negotiation for another day. Um, let's move on to the next question. 
This next question uh, is interesting. How can I explain sub drop and aftercare to someone who is new to kink? Can I just send them a link? Um, I think you probably could just send them a link. I I don't off the top of my head have a resource in mind. I do think the BDSM wiki, which I believe is just BDSMwiki.org, has a lot of good Mm -hmm. stuff on it. Um, And it's a wiki. So, you know, it's community edited, uh, which I always trust more than something written by one person, (laughs) Um, (laughs) unless the person's a genius. And even then, people are ethically strange. Um, It's 2020. I don't know. People are complicated. But uh, I think, like, that's a good starting point. But I wouldn't send only a link for this because I think a large part of the importance of this discussion is about what is subdrop for you and what is aftercare for you and like what do you need because it really is different from person to person and that's really the information that your partner needs. Yeah, it, it, yeah. if this is a person you're planning on playing with, I think a link is a starting point, but I think you definitely need to have a conversation, uh, and you might be able to communicate. So what's really helpful is if we're talking about your needs, the conversation can be, this is what subdrop and aftercare are in theory, and if you don't really know how to sum them up, I often talk about aftercare as uh, the, the care you give yourself. Um, immediately after a scene to kind of bring you back to zero and get you to a place where you're able to kind of work in the world because uh, BDSM puts us into altered states similar to intoxicants um, Mm -hmm. and we need to kind of recenter ourselves and feel kind of recalibrate with the world before we can move out into it and that's what aftercare is and sub drop and also top drop is uh the hazy feeling that sometimes follows after it think of it like uh like almost like a hangover hangover, yeah yeah um and i like to i think as a part of the conversation um comparisons like that can be helpful because if we're trying to elicit from this person what they might need in aftercare or what sub drop or top drop will feel like for them and they don't have experiences they're not going to know but you can ask them things about like how do you feel um after you've had a really long night where you're really tired right because some of sub drop for me is just actual physical exhaustion and exertion Mm -hmm. if they are a person who exercises how do you feel after a big race or a big game right Mm -hmm. like you know the big exertion of energy that you would normally have if you're a person who goes to like comic conventions or any other kind of con Mm -hmm talk to them how they feel after they're coming home from a con where it's like oh yeah you've done a lot and you've seen a lot of great people and had a lot of really good feelings and that's over and that like slap back into reality Mm -hmm. um because they may not have experienced these feelings in a kink context but chances are they've experienced them somewhere else Mm -hmm. um or at least something adjacent to it that can kind of give you a starting point Um, and when I talk to people about aftercare and ask them, uh, when people don't know how to articulate what they think they'll need or or haven't had enough experience, I often ask them what they're craving at the end of that really, like a really long, exhausting work day, Mm -hmm. the day where you're not just physically exhausted, but you've had to think all day, (laughs) or in my case, talk to people all day, um, anything that you find particularly draining, um, how do you kind of recharge after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, in terms of like learning any kind of new kink or sex thing, uh, one thing I really like to do is read a thing with my partner together, like whether they're reading it out loud to me or vice versa. Um, and I will just kind of like cut in and comment where relevant to be like, oh, yeah, that thing's really important for me or like that thing's not quite right for me. Here's how I would do that. Um, And just add your own kind of like commentary, because I feel like uh, I don't know that I I feel I've worked through a lot of like new kink stuff like that. And I think that gives you an opportunity to build off information that already exists out there, but like customize it to your specifications. I think that also can help you kind of give a framework to your conversation, right? Because conversations can get really lost in the weeds or go off on tangents, or if you're talking to a sexy person about sexy things, might just get interrupted. 
Uh, <laughs> so if you're if you're reading an article together, you know the article is probably going to touch on the major points of the ideas, mm-hmm. and you can you kind of have a path to follow and can just uh, kind of annotate it as you go. Yeah, I also think like I don't know for sure, but uh, I gathered from the wording of this question that this person is a submissive. Um, and has a partner who wants to play a more dominant role here. And I would add that, like, as you get into doing more kink scenes with this person, you might want to have some conversations in between scenes, like the day after or whatever, to ask them about what they think their aftercare needs might be. Because, like, if this is a new thing for them, they are probably starting to notice and become aware of that, or you could help them become more aware of that. Um, Mm. Because, as we've talked about, like, doms and tops need aftercare too frequently. Um, And so... Uh, th- that makes it a two-way street because I think like being a submissive who's playing with like a baby dom, uh, sometimes we have a tendency to be like, well, here's everything I need and everything that I want and like, just please do it. Um, and I-, I certainly have to remind myself to be more active about like trying to figure out what my dom needs and wants as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, another question about subdrop. Um, one person reported that after a heavy sadomasochistic scene, they will get like extreme fatigue and a headache that lasts up to two days. And they're feeling like, this doesn't seem like normal subdrop. And I would agree, that doesn't seem to me like normal subdrop, but it doesn't also seem out of the realm of normality. Um, I definitely have found sometimes I am in a bit of a haze for a, a couple days or more after a really heavy scene. Like, it's, I, I wouldn't describe it the way that this person has, but, like, sometimes the effects do endure. Yeah, i definitely say that's within the realm of possibility, um, particularly the fatigue. Mm-hmm. I always forget exactly how exhausting a really heavy scene can be. Mm-hmm. Especially because... For myself, when I have really heavy scenes, they often happen at parties later at night than I'm usually used to staying up because I'm mm-hmm. an old man. <laughs> um, or during conferences, which are a drain on my body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just the process of enduring a lot of pain mm-hmm. is a lot of sensation for your body to process and is... I don't know that I don't want to call it exercise, but I would I would say that like it it can be similarly draining to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I was beaten this weekend while standing up, and my thighs hurt because they're bruised, but also because I was holding my body upright while enduring intense pain. Right, mm-hmm. um, I was doing a lot of squirming and jumping around and trying to stay vertical when things fucking hurt. Um, and that's a workout and I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's normal for your body to feel drained. It's also putting a lot of energy into healing whatever you've done to your body, which also takes more energy than just going through life day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, you're probably, you know, you were in a bit of a weird headspace, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. um, because you were getting beaten. I'm sure you got somewhat spacey, so I think that hazy feeling is also fairly common. Um, I find it hard to focus right after a scene, um, or I can feel kind of, like, in and out of it, or easily distracted, um, or I'll find myself, like, suddenly slipping into space very quickly or easily. Um, I find that happens less if I do more aftercare immediately after the scene versus yep. uh, having to get up and go, um, which has also happened to me. Um, and I can do, but if I'm able to kind of sit more quietly with myself and like connect with the person I played with and just kind of talk about the scene for a little while, mm-hmm. um, that like haziness kind of dissipates a little more quickly and the session feels a little more closed out. Um, the headache worries me a little bit. Um, I would wonder, uh, I'm curious if with that haziness and that fuzzy feeling for me also sometimes comes with like not great mental health feelings. Um, Mm. and I'm curious if any of that is distracting you from taking care of things like drinking enough water in those days or eating enough in those days. Um, and Mm. if that is also contributing because again, you, your body was through an endurance thing, 
Um, you're gonna, you need lots of water, you need fuel, your body's repairing itself. Um, so I, you know, that I may just be projecting a lot of my own shit, but I know for me, it would be very easy to kind of forget those things and be like, why do I feel like garbage? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I think like there's, there's basically like two approaches you could take to dealing with this problem. And one is like trying to address or change like some of the factors that might be contributing to this. And the other is adapting to and and working with uh this this like known response that you have so some ways that you could change it like you were just saying do more aftercare uh or maybe try changing the type of aftercare that you're doing just to see if there's something that you haven't tried that works better for you um you can find tons of resources online about what different people do for aftercare because it's all kinds of things um definitely drink more water I mean, this is, I think, literally everybody could benefit from drinking more water. Um, But for you in particular, it does sound like you need to be. And consider something like Gatorade or something that has electrolytes in it. Um, Mm. I know that headache and fatigue can sometimes result from not having enough of those. Um, And also, like, consider uh, seeing a doctor about, like, ongoing issues like this. Because, like, I know that I used to have... A lot of like fatigue and like weird body heaviness which was later diagnosed as mild anemia and I just needed to start taking an iron supplement and I felt quite a bit better uh, and if I skip the supplement for uh, a week or two I do notice it in my energy levels and I notice that I'm kind of dizzy and hazy so I wonder if that's something like that is a factor or something like blood sugar blood pressure uh, yeah. thyroid stuff like it might be worth just like doing a blood plan a blood panel or something like that um, and then in terms of like adapting your play and your lifestyle to deal with this problem like as bex just said like you you might want to keep some stuff on hand that makes it easier for you to take care of yourself in that time so like maybe bottles of gatorade in the fridge maybe microwavable meals um that you don't have to spend a lot of time and effort making because you do need to make sure you nourish yourself in that time because you're not going to feel you're going to feel even worse if you um are unable to nourish yourself and it sucks Um, and, uh, I also hope that, like, whoever you're playing with, whether it's one partner or more than one person, is, like, understanding of this issue and is able to, like, be there for you emotionally. Um, and I think it's worth, like, even telling people up front, like, I tend to have a really strong sub-drop response and maybe, like, explain that to them if they don't know what that is. Uh, and think about what they can do emotionally or more practically to help you with that because um not every kink partner is going to want to like bring you uh soup the day after a scene or whatever it is but some of them might be willing to so you know might as well let them know what's up Mm -hmm. okay more kink questions oh my god y'all love sending us kink questions and i love answering them Um, This is a subby person asking this question. How can I teach my dominant partner to go down on me well without breaking role? Oh, my life. My (laughs) life. (laughs) Oh, do you do you want to go first or shall I? We have we I'm sure we both have so many answers. Yes. Um, Okay. so I think one of the key issues at play here is hearing sexual criticism can be difficult at the best of times, uh, even for vanilla partners. And I think that there's this added layer of like defensiveness or shame or something that creeps in when there's a DS dynamic at play, because like there's, you know, this reigning belief that doms need to be perfect and in control and shouldn't need help or guidance. And uh, obviously that's bullshit, but I understand that there is this kind of like machismo, like that you need to kind of like, work through in order to deal with this um i've like tried a bunch of different approaches for this sometimes i like to do it in the moment like can you do that but like a little to the side or whatever and i actually feel like that doesn't always work super well for doms because like they're in headspace like they a lot of times they don't want to be taken out of like a dommy headspace and I don't really want to take them out of it either because I'm in my subby headspace and I I'm just like it doesn't even really occur to me to give directions at that time which is why generally I would prefer to have this sort of conversation outside of the bedroom like the day after sex or whatever um and you can maybe say like uh, we always say like the compliment sandwich uh like that was so great last night or I had such a great time last night um 
would you be open to like hearing some feedback or like, you know, what would be even better next time? Or like, you know, what would really get me off or what would really turn me on? And I mean, just like really try to make it positive and try to get them excited about the idea of like pleasing you and getting you off. Because as a dom or as a top, like they probably are already excited about that and they probably do want to know how to do that. It's just I think the trick here is finding a way to do that without bruising their ego mostly. Yeah. So my go-to here is to, of course, make a game, a role play, some sort of scenario in context where they're still in charge and you have to give them this information, right? You, so you start this conversation outside of a scene and you enlist them in creating some sort of scenario that works for both of you that gets the information from you to them and they're still in charge. Um, so my first thought is something like, you're going to tell me exactly how this feels, and when you stop talking, I stop doing what I'm doing, right? So now you have to, because daddy said, or the dominant said, or, you know, however this works, um, Mm -hmm. you have to tell them how it feels. So you're not critiquing that, oh, this feels better than that. You're doing what you were told. Mm -hmm. Um... Or you can, if you're, like, into, you know, mild humiliation type stuff, you can do, uh, you know, something like, you know, oh, you're such a slut, I bet you know exactly how you like this done. Or tell me stories about the best time anyone's ever gone down on you while I go down on you. Mm. Um, So I think you can kind of take your kinks and the way they work um and try and find a reason right why (laughs) who are you as a submissive who are you as a little and what reason could that character more or less have for bossing their dominant around Mm -hmm. i also think uh that's that's great advice you're super smart um (laughs) I also think if you ever are watching porn together, um, Mm. you don't have to just happen to be watching porn together. You can orchestrate this evening for this purpose. Um, Watching porn, reading erotica that describes uh, or or depicts oral sex, uh, you can always be like, wow, that looks really good. Like, that's exactly how I like that. Or like, that looks like it feels really good. And maybe describe a little bit more in detail, like what you're talking about. Um, And then also sometimes like uh, doms and subs like to do like writing assignments. And when I've done erotica assignments for a partner, sometimes that has been an opportunity to share a little of my internal narrative about what is hot to me, both physically and mentally. Mm, That's really, really fun, too. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you could also another idea was to contextualize it as a prize Right, like, oh, this is, you know, you've done something to earn the ability to be in charge and get exactly, you know, have your partner go down on you exactly the way you want this time, so you're going to tell them everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, you have a reason for, like, being deserving of, you know, doing all of this bossing around. (laughs) Yeah, I also think um, if you... Are able to communicate to your partner that you have a hard time I mean like you don't you can come at this from a very meta perspective like you can be like I have a difficult time giving sexual feedback because uh, I'm a sub or I'm worried about hurting your feelings or I don't want to be too domineering like you can just really like tell them that and I think that that'll diffuse a lot of the issue just make sure to like really throw in a bunch of compliments in there about like it's not like you're awful at sex. I mean, I hope that your partner isn't awful at sex. Um, just really, like, you know, mention the positives because uh, I just feel like in general and particularly for doms and tops, like, you, you don't want to crush people's spirits before you give them sexual advice. I don't know. Right. I, I mean, yeah. And I think it can also – we've talked about this with other things, but I think the way you have this conversation – also is really gonna gonna impact how your partner is gonna take it right if you sit down and you're like listen we need to talk about how you give head they're gonna they're gonna take that some type of way right but if you go into the conversation with the assumption 
that every new partner you have needs to be taught how to give you head because they've never given you head before. So going into the situation with, like, this expectation of, like, no, I'm not, like, teaching you how to have sex. Like, of sure, you're great, of course. I'm teaching you how to have sex with me. And that's, like, a normal thing that you have to do with your partners kind of across the board, right? Right. Um, so you can go into this and say, like, like you said, I'm feeling nervous about giving you se- sexual feedback about this thing. Or you can even be like, hey, I had this really cool idea of, like, this scene where... I talk you through this, like, great cunnilingus. Do you want to try it? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and you can just set it up as an opportunity to really talk. And you can even set it up alongside an opportunity to do something similar for them, right? Why, mm. why don't we do two scenes where we both give each other, where we try and keep talking while someone goes down on us and try and give each other as precise details as we can <laughs> on what we like and as good direction as we can without getting distracted. Yeah. Right? Because that sounds fun. That doesn't sound like, we need to talk about your tongue. <laughs> like... <laughs> And, you, and I think, God, I was just gonna say, do you remember our mutual friend who once described a man's cunnilingus style as um, like a bulldog eating oatmeal? <laughs> that has just stuck with me for many, many years now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the type of thing you don't want to say to your John, I, right? I did not remember that. I thought yes. you were going to talk about the person who described your tongue as a cat tongue. <laughs> no, a similar though. A lot of animal metaphors, and I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, you know, well, well you know. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else on that? Because we have one more question. No, I think that's good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good answers. Helpful stuff. We're clever. Yes. Uh, I think we have time for one more question. I had more, but like we just have a lot to say about these because they were good questions. They were really good questions. Yeah, and we're really Um, clever. We've said some good stuff. Yeah, this is the thing that we actually haven't talked about hardly at all in this show. This person said, "Do you have any advice or experience with a top safe wording out of a scene?" Um, This has actually not happened to me. Um, my main frame of reference for this is there's a Sinclair Sexsmith blog post where they talk about a time that they safe worded out of a scene. And I believe, if I remember correctly, it was because they were doing some face slapping, which is a thing that they had little to no experience with at this time. And it just raised feelings for them that they found too uncomfortable to endure the scene. Um... I think feelings of like being the bad guy, something to that effect, mm-hmm. which uh, from what I hear from Tops and Jobs is like a frequent reason why mu- one might safe word or consider safe wording. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it always seems to me that this would be just like logistically more difficult than a sub safe wording, because I know when I am deep in subspace, I'm pretty useless as far as like. Uh, being emotionally and mentally present in a way that you would need to be if someone were to safe word with you. Um, I think there probably would be a certain element of like adrenaline kicking in and helping you like, like make yourself more alert. Um, But honestly, I think I would struggle with this. And that's something that I don't love about myself. I would love to uh, grow to feel more confident that if a top were to say for that I would be able to deal with that competently. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think of the idea as a top safe wording because the idea is that they're in control, right? And mm-hmm. if they're not happy with how something is happening, we'll then just make something else happen or make that stop happening. Right. Um, And it can be hard for folks to... And I think it can be hard for a bottom to receive a safe word from a top Mm -hmm. and not feel like they had done something wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Because what what is in the scene that the top can't control other than them? Right. Um, But I think often... And and I also don't have any experience uh, with a top safe wording with me, but... I think definitely that fear of being a bad guy is something I've heard from a lot of tops as something that can pull them out of a scene. Um, Mm -hmm. And I could easily see myself just safe wording if I'm too deep in a character to just need to hear, like, my partner Mm -hmm. say that things are okay, right? Yep. 
um, and just kind of check in. Mm -hmm. Um, I could also see safe wording if you have something planned and you know what? I just can't go to that point in this scene. And Mm -hmm. I would also want a safe word rather than just continue the scene and not doing that because I wouldn't want my submissive constantly waiting for it or wondering if I forgot or what was going on. So I can see, again, safe wording is just a need to, like, check in. Um, And, yeah, it... I think it would be hard as a submissive to kind of come out of that space. I know myself well enough to know that I can kind of, like, put that subspace on the back burner for a second if something comes up and I need to, like, handle something, because mm-hmm. I've been in situations where that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but it'll come back, and I won't feel good. <laughs> so I try to avoid that. Um, but, yeah, I think checking in... I mean, I would... The same rules for top safe wording as I would use for the bottom, right? This should be a part of your negotiation beforehand. What Mm -hmm. happens when either one of us safe words? What is our plan? Is there a potential for the scene to continue, or does a safe word mean we're done for the night? What kind of connection do you usually need when you safe word? Mm -hmm. But as much as we plan for safe words, we're using them because something unexpected happened. Mm -hmm. And if something unexpected happens, you gotta kind of roll with the punches as much as you can. Mm-hmm. and uh, try and communicate as well as you can in the moment to be as good to each other as you can be. Yeah. Um, my experience with, like, times that I've safe-worded... Um, so, like, I think if a top safe-worded, my, my first instinct as a very subspacey person would be to say, like, what do you need or, like, what can I do for you right now? And actually, my experience safe-wording myself... Um, has been that that's not the most super helpful question because part of the feeling that made me safe word is a feeling of like some kind of chaos or confusion a lot of times. And and I might not have the words or, or even the knowledge of what I need. And so for me, what is helpful is specific options. Like, do you want me to cuddle or do you want me to cuddle you or do you want me to give you space? Um, do you want a snack? Would you like some water? Um, I think it's usually a pretty safe bet to just bring water to someone who is safe worded. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think there are very few situations in which that would not be helpful. Um, so if you are the sub or the bottom of a person uh, who you care about and want to take care of if they safe word, which hopefully you do, um, I would I would kind of like mentally drill these types of questions before getting into scenes, like just so that you know you have them on tap because I have trouble, you know, accessing new information, information that I've recently learned if I'm spacey. But if it's something that I pretty much have down pat, I can access it more easily. And so if you have this kind of mental list in your head, this little checklist, or even physically keep it next to the bed um, of stuff to check in about if someone safe words like cuddling, water, snacks, cartoon, um, do we need to talk about this or do you want to talk about it tomorrow? Um, that stuff I think is fairly easy both to ask and to answer, even if you're both very much in altered states or difficult emotional states. And uh, I think like addressing the immediate physical needs is often more important when someone safe words than digging into the full emotional situation. Because if you've just safe worded, you might not 100% know all the reasons why you did that. Yeah, I think... Also, so again, the safe words are generally unexpected, but I do think as more experienced kinksters, you'll, you would be able to know going into a scene if it's likely to approach a safe word for the top or the bottom. Right. Um, which if which with... often, if it's a top, it often would be you're doing a thing that you haven't done before. I mean, that's true for anybody. If, if it's yeah. a new thing, I think safe wording is more likely. But if, if it's a top, like, I think in my experience, especially if it's a thing that is very mean or that, mm-hmm. like, that you experience as very mean uh, or a thing that feels very outside of something that you as a person would ever do, like you're playing that bad guy type of person, like that is definitely uh, a higher risk factor for a top safe wording, I would think. Yeah, or something that just imp- overlaps with your own experiences. Um, of, uh, yeah, of trauma. Stra- or... Emotionally thro- Feels emotionally fraught. There we go. 
Yeah, yeah. At times in in my own experience of topping and doming, when I have done something to someone that had previously been done to me non-consensually, those are very precarious times for me. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I could definitely see myself safe wording if I got too deep into one of those types of scenes. Yeah, and I think in those moments where you look at the scene and go, ah, if this goes wrong, it will go very wrong. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, so... Separate, separate question entirely. But when you walk into a scene, I think a healthy question is, how can this go wrong? Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> if you, like, some scenes, you're like, ah, if this goes wrong, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have a bad night. And other scenes, you're like, oh, if this goes wrong, things are very wrong. Um, <laughs> I will need and, years of therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If these if things go wrong, I need to move my therapy appointment. Um, yeah. Those, particularly for those scenes, uh, maybe have an emergency contact, mm-hmm. right? Someone else that, like, knows you've got this planned. I know a lot of people's, like, big-time scenes happen at cons, but not exclusively. Um mm-hmm. But if this is your, like, big scene that you've planned where you're going to approach some edgy, weird, scary shit, mm-hmm. maybe have someone that you can call if someone needs aftercare and isn't able to get it from the other person in the scene for whatever reason, right? Because that person is still spacey, because that person is now scary or is the source of the discomfort feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, having someone that can kind of mediate that before you're able to come back to center and discuss this with each other. Yes. Is probably good for both of you. Yes. Um, I would add, we, we've talked occasionally about the idea of having an aftercare kit, uh, which is often discussed as something that either both partners put together um, as a collaborative effort, mostly for the sub, or something that the dom supplies for the sub that's at least my experience of it and i think it actually would be a really cute assignment if a dom was like you make an aftercare kit for me like what what do i need if i safe word or if i am like feeling top drop and i mean as a sub you don't have to just like know that you can inquire and ask questions about that in order to figure out what that might be um are you but, just you know, using this podcast to assign pets to to assign tasks to my <laughs> submissive? Is that what you're doing? Right now? <laughs> I was they're... I was uh, texting with your submissive recently, and I had like a thing in mind of like a thing that you needed done, and I was like, "Is this the type of thing that he would assign for you to do?" I didn't want to be like, <laughs> "Maybe he would like to assign this for you to do," but I was like. Hmm, I wonder. Just, just say, yeah, they, I was talking to them recently. They took a picture of me and they were like, oh my God, I need to send this to Kate and like opened up their phone and I like glanced over and I was like, is your, is your entire conversation with Kate just pictures of me back and forth? And they were like, <laughs> mostly. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's you know, the beauty it's, of, uh, it's fine. of loving the same person, you know. <laughs> it's delightful. Yeah, but I think that, like, that's a really cute task um, and also might be logistically useful because, as I said, like, being subspacey really inhibits your ability sometimes to put planes into action. But if you, the sub, have already assembled this kit or, like, whatever assortment of items, you're familiar with those items. You know what they are and how to use them, probably. So I feel like you have a better grounding uh, for mm-hmm. if that moment does come when a top safe words. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like submissives will just, like, make it more creative and cute. <laughs> I want, yeah. I'm picturing it in, like, an old school medical kit. Mm. Like, one of those I little, like, I was picturing, like, like a Hello Kitty boxes. lunchbox. Okay. Oh, I like that, too. Yeah, no, I was picturing, <laughs> like, one of those cartoonish tin first aid boxes. Mm-hmm. I know someone who kept their kink gear in an old leather doctor's bag. I was like, that's a look. <laughs> Like That's that. the best reason to sleep yeah. out one of those on yeah, some obviously. vintage site. Yep. Okay, cool. I think that's all the questions we have time for this time. But um, as always, if you do want to submit questions for us to answer, uh, our email address is thedildorks at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, as you know, because I say it every week, uh, at girly underscore juice, and you can send me stuff there. Uh, what else? My blog is at girlyjuice.net 
and the other podcast I co-host is called Question Box. Where is your stuff, friend? I'm Bex. You can find my writing at BexTalkSex.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BexTalkSex. And if you have any other questions, obviously email them to us, but you can also come to Tess. We're doing a Kink 101 Q&A kind of open circle discussion group type thing that I'm leading on Wednesday, February 5th. Uh, if you go to test.org or TESNYC, uh, that's T-E-S-N-Y-C, on FetLife, they have all the details for that, but I'm just going to be doing answering your 101 kink questions uh, and leading a little discussion group there. Uh, together we're the Dildorks, Kate and I. You can find us at thedildorks.com or by searching the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app. While you're there, write and review us, tell everyone how great and clever we are, and then go to <laughs> patreon.com slash thedildorks and throw some money at us to help us keep doing what we're doing and answering all of your clever questions. Yes, thank you. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> thank you so much to Protodome. He did our theme song, uh, I Want You in My Bedroom. His music is at protodome.bandcamp.com. And thank you, as always, to Amy, who did our logo. She is at starboots underscore on Twitter. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Welcome to the Dildorks. I'm Bex, and this is our special guest, Lightning. <laughs> we should have her on as a guest. I'm sure she's got <laughs> some shit to say. It's the ASMR episode. Yeah. Just she's uh, she's gonna talk to us about pussy. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, she's gonna <sighs> talk about how to best make it stop. Had it best be as awkward as possible while her dad's jerking off. Go. <laughs> there are times where I like think the door was closed and then I open my eyes and she's just sitting there looking at me. I'm like, bitch, get out! Just stop! <laughs> Go! To be fair, I think that if you didn't have an understanding of human sexuality like at all, probably masturbating, especially with like vibrators and stuff, would look very weird. Like, that sounds like a That's power fair. tool. And you're holding it, like, on a sensitive, delicate area. I don't know. <laughs> what you doing? Yeah. The So the scene was 80 minutes, and I was allowed to curse up to 20 times, and I lost <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yeah. And there were several inst- instances of, like, so sometimes I cursed because it hurt. But mm-hmm. most of those times I caught it. There were just several un- other instances where something else happened and I just accidentally cursed. <laughs> um, but then would realize that I cursed and got mad. So there were a couple of instances of me going, Shit! Oh, fuck! Oh, goddamn! <laughs> 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 and just throwing a handful of coins in the thing. <laughs> uh... <laughs> There's my blooper. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Found it. <laughs> um, and then there were, it was an 80 minute scene and there were a couple of moments towards the end where people came in and were like, do you want to go play and like do this thing? And other people in the room were like, yeah, but I've been here since the beginning and there's only five minutes left. I need to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're killing it. That's and amazing. one person was like, this is my kind of competitive sports. <laughs> And then we had, because we had the timer, like, up and posted, the last few seconds, the entire room counted down. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And and erupted into cheers. That's so so great. That's extremely your shit. You love that exhibitionist ordeal stuff. That's so nice. Right? And we had this one giant paddle that is probably the loudest thing I've ever gotten hit with. (laughs) It's just big, flat. It's not that bad mm-hmm. um but it says like pow and wham and like all comic-y things all over it and mm-hmm. when you hit it it may, like the loudest thwap that like just echoes through the house you did it and i heard people in like other places like oh 